everyone. This is Corinne Moore, your favorite radio host, your only radio host and favorite girl, of course. Broadcasting to you from the lovely island of Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean on Between the Lines. And you know how we do it here on Between the Lines, always with gratitude or thankfulness. I am so thankful to be here above ground, seeing another day. It's beautiful here. It's a bit overcast, but it's beautiful nevertheless. I am thankful to also have a handsome young man next to me, Jeremy Miner. He says, I'm, I'm doing this to make him feel good. And it's working. Can't you tell? There you go. There you go. You're just you're just buttering me up now. Trying to get oh, out. I got to take that as a compliment. My kids say I'm pretty boring. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all of that as a nice compliment. Thank you so much. Boring is not in correlation with handsome. So well, you can okay. be boring and so handsome. I can be boring and handsome. Okay. Maybe that's a good compliment too. I'll take it. It is. It is. It is. Boring and handsome goes together. I yes. like it. I like it. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be on your show. That's awesome. I appreciate it. It's great to have you on. And we are talking today about closing more sales in less time. I don't know why we would need to know this, but we are talking about it. Closing more sales in less time. And let me tell you a bit about Jeremy. Jeremy Miner is the chairman of 7th, let me pronounce that properly, 7th Level, a global sales training company that was ranked number 1,232 of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. by Inc. Magazine's list of the top 5,000 companies in 2021 and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal during his 17 years, clearly he has a thing with seven, right? During his 17 years sales career, Jeremy was recognized by the Direct Selling Association as the 45th highest earning producer. It should have been 47, but 45 is even better. <laughs> and later down, as you know, as we do on my show, we're going to feature his website and anything else that he would want to showcase. He has a wonderful Facebook group that he wants you to join for you to benefit from closing sales in less time. Jeremy, welcome to Between the Lines. Corinne, thanks for having me on your on your show. I, I appreciate all the nice words. And let's let's see how we can help your audience possibly. Of course. Closing more sales in less time. Now, first to begin, we're in a pandemic. Let's put it in a context. Sure. We don't know if the pandemic is going anywhere, but let's kind of go back a little bit and come up forward and move ahead. So we're putting it in a context. Sales has diminished tremendously for a lot of industries. Some people were not prepared for, for the pandemic, clearly, you know, and we don't know if they're still prepared or not, if they have put things in place or they're still grappling with just to spell the word COVID and pandemic. So, <laughs> right? It all, it, all, it all kind of depends on what country you live in, depends on how bad the pandemic is in these days, but this you're, is it. you're definitely right. It's on right? what country you're in, yeah. <laughs> right? So, and some, there are some industries or companies that have thrived, saw an opportunity in this pandemic and have actually been doing pretty well. Yeah. So closing sales in less time in that context, for those companies or industries that are struggling, let's look at those because the ones who are doing well are clearly, they probably might not need our help or probably they do. They may still need that strategy to be able to know how to be more efficient mm -hmm. and effective in their approaches sure so help us out here how do we close sales and first to begin you know people don't like the word sales jeremy yeah make you know, it sexy make it yeah, sexy you know, jeremy well i think i think one thing that we that we all have to understand is that if you really think about what selling is let's start from this premise 
right? Because if I say, you know, if I say, what's the first word that comes to your mind uh, when you say sales or selling, that word for most human beings, whether they're in selling or not, is going to be pushy, sleazy, uh, manipulative, demanding, demanding, aggressive, assuming, right? Now, if I also say, what's the first image? You know, there's a good book that talks about this by uh, by an author, uh, Daniel Pink, called The Sell is Human. And he has a survey that talks about, like, if, if I asked you, what is the first image that comes to your mind when you hear the word salesperson or sales? What's mm-hmm. that image? The number one image is used car salesperson, like in this weird suit. That is the number one image that comes to most people's mind when they hear the word salesperson or sales. Okay. So we have to, now there's a reason why that is. And I'm going to suggest that it's actually the way most salespeople have been taught how to sell that actually trigger that way of thinking from your potential customer. So we have to come back to the premise of what selling actually is. You know, I was, I was doing a virtual event for a company a couple weeks ago and they asked me like, if you could describe sales in one word, Jeremy, what would that one word be? And it took me about 10 seconds. And I said, you know, really selling in one word can be described as change. Selling is about one thing only, and it's about change. I mean, if you really think about it, right, it's about how good you are at helping your prospect view in their mind that by changing their situation, that means paying for your product or service is far less risky for them than them doing nothing at all, staying in the status quo, their problems stay the same and nothing ever changes, which is actually more risky. So whether your prospect wants something better or they're trying to get away from pain, it's all about one thing, and that's about change. Now, I want to just a disclaimer here. Here is your problem. Most human beings in general do not like change, even though they say they do. So selling is about change, but humans do not like change. Okay, so what true, do we that, right? true. Why do we not like change? Because it makes us feel unsettled. It makes us feel uncomfortable, especially when it's initiated by some pushy salesperson that's ready to pitch their product or services within the first 10 seconds of meeting somebody. Human behavior, this is my background, the boring guy, shows that we value something that is consistent, something that is familiar to us, even if we don't like it that much, compared to something that is new to us or unknown. You know, think about like the the battered spouse syndrome. They don't like their spouse. They keep getting, you know, physically abused, but they keep coming back because they're familiar with that, even though they don't like it. Okay. So just overall. So one thing we have to realize is that you are not selling the thing. You're not selling the thing. You're selling the results of what that thing does for that prospect. Okay. So if you're a real estate agent, you're not selling a home. You're selling the results of what that home does for them. Maybe it gets them into a safer neighborhood. Maybe it gives them more status in the community. Maybe it gives them more bedrooms because now they have six kids instead of three. That's what you're selling. If you're selling life insurance, you're not selling them a policy, an insurance policy. You're selling them the results of that financial protection when one of them passes away and the rest of their home is in financials all taken care of. You know, you're not selling cybersecurity to a bank. You're selling them. You're not selling them a software. You're selling them the results of what that software does, which protects the identity of your customers. That's what you're selling. So we have to learn that selling is about change and we have to get our prospects. We have to learn the right questions to ask 
to our prospects to get them to view in their mind that is way less risky for them to purchase what you're offering to get them what they want compared to this for them to do nothing at all the problem stays the same and nothing ever changes see what i mean love that love that and i love when you talk about the imagery because that's the first thing the imagery what do i perceive when you come with sales? and what immediately comes to mind is a sales department you know you have the marketing department the communication department the sales department um research r d all the different departments so if sales have that negative connotation and imagery associated with it the man with the briefcase the suit and the tie yeah you know yeah how can we soften that exactly. approach how can we soften that imagery that that perception in people's minds even to change the name of the department if yeah. you had that power superpower mm -hmm. jeremy minor super yeah. minor yeah. what would you call a sales department instead so that when persons come to to your business they're not getting sales department sales people's sales yeah what would you call it well instead of a sales department we would just re-language it um you know we, we wouldn't call yourself a salesperson. it depends on the industry you know we might call you an account executive okay. uh if you're in b2b sales uh than a sales person um i don't even like to use the word consultant now because i think it's okay. so overused like if you have a consultant is. on your thing it's like okay i'm a salesperson. <laughs> um you know so it just it's re-languaging it you know business executive uh Love new that new business development. I mean, Love it, it means the same thing, but you're, you're just, you're, you're relanguaging it where it doesn't trigger sales resistance. I, I think one thing that we have to start getting into our mind, because here's one thing that we all have to understand. Everybody that's listening on here, even mm -hmm. if you don't have a sales job or you get paid a commission, mm -hmm. it's still in sales. It like is. Every, everybody in the world is out there trying to do what every day we're yeah, trying to persuade. Sales. We're yeah. trying to influence. Yeah. We're trying to convince. We're trying to move others. We, we there's a term called that's called non-sales selling. Like even if you don't get paid a commission, okay, you're still out trying to move others. So I'll give you a few yeah. examples. If you're a business owner, because I hear business owners all the time, oh, I'm not in sales. Oh, really? You're not in sales and you own the business? Look, if you're trying to get your employees to follow your vision of where you want to take your company. What are you trying to do? You're trying to persuade, you're trying to influence, you're trying to move others. If you're an employee on the flip side and you're trying to convince your boss to do what? Give you a pay raise. You're trying to persuade, you're trying to influence, right? If you're an attorney trying to convince the judge that your client is innocent, what are you trying to do? Influence, persuade. If you're a, hell, a politician trying to get people to vote for you, you are trying to persuade, you're trying to influence. If you are a stay-at-home mom trying to, you know, teach her kids, you know, how to clean up the dishes or whatever. But even to get a job, Jeremy, you're selling yourself when you're going for that job. It's the yeah, same so thing. You're constantly, if I want to attract a guy or a guy want to attract a girl, you're selling yourself. It's the same thing. You're always selling yourself. Yeah, it's hundred percent. I mean, it's been around since the, the dawn of ages. You know, a lot of people don't realize that persuasion has been here for before any of us were even here on the earth. Like if you, you know, if you believe in the Bible, you look at the Bible in the book of Revelations, it talks about how there was a war in heaven, right? There was this war, a great war in heaven. And part of God's children chose his plan. And, That's you know, right. part of the people followed Satan. Well, if you really think about the war, think about the, what the war means. Was it a war of guns? 
Uh, no. Did they have swords? Did they have tanks shooting each other? No, they it was didn't a war have that. of persuasion. Yeah. It was a war of words. It was a war of influence. So persuasion and influence have been around since the first human beings were even put on this planet, if you really think about it. That's yeah. why it's so important. And they were not wearing suits and they didn't have briefcases back that's then. That's right. <laughs> we, we don't know. We don't know what they were wearing. Well, that's Maybe true. Nothing. They were, they were wearing true. nothing. I don't know. <laughs> well, that was enough persuasion, Jeremy. Anyway. anyway, so closing sales in half the time. Coming back into the, into the context of the pandemic. How can you help persons? What strategies can you help persons to be more efficient and effective in doing what they were doing before, making that change? Let's use that word, making that switch, that mindset shift, that paradigm shift yeah. into doing things more efficiently and effective. Well, I think I think the first first of all, let's let's start here, and then I'll give you maybe some sample questions. I think that's that's probably the that that might help the most. I think, you know, in our day and age, we we have to become what we call. We talk about a lot of this when we're training organizations and just individual salespeople in large selling anything at this point. So you have to learn how to become what we call a problem finder and problem solver, not a product pusher. Okay. Now, any book behind me, any of these books that are on sales behind me, will talk about that you have to be really good at solving problems. You have to be a problem solver. Everybody's been saying that for 50 years. Okay. And, and that makes complete sense. But if your prospects don't buy from you, then you can't really solve their problems. So in our day and age, we call that the information age buyer, right? That has information access right at their fingertips with the power of the internet, especially social media. They know they have many choices to choose the exact product or service that you sell. So because of that power that they have now that they didn't even have 20 years ago, a lot of people just are not going to, they're just not going to go along with being manipulated or pressured because they know they have many choices to choose. 20 years ago was completely different before social media and the internet, right? So we have to be in our day and age, we have to be much better at problem finding, problem finding. And that means learning how to ask the right questions, but at the right time in the conversation, that helps your prospects find problems in their mind that they didn't even know they had. Okay, one thing we have to realize, let's say we get on an inbound sales call, somebody books on your calendar, or let's say it's an outbound lead where you're calling somebody that's you know responded to an ad. It doesn't really matter. It could be even a cold call. It doesn't matter. Most of your prospects, when you first start talking to them in any sales conversation, I don't care if it's business to consumer sales or business to business sales, doesn't matter. Most of them do not realize they even have a problem in the first place. Or maybe they do realize like, okay, I know I have this problem, but they don't really know how bad that problem really is. Or maybe they don't understand the consequences of what will happen if they don't do anything about solving that problem. Now, once you learn advanced questioning skills, and anybody can learn, okay, if you're taught by the, the right people that know that, okay, you're not only able to help them find one problem but you're able to help them find maybe two or three or four other problems that they didn't realize they had. And when you're able to help them see how many problems, not by telling them, because that's going to go in one ear out the other, but by asking them the right questions that allow them to tell themselves what their real problems are and how they're affecting them and what's caused the problems, that starts to get the prospect to view you as like the expert, the trusted authority who's going to get them the results they want because no salesperson has ever got them to 
think or question their way of thinking that's allowed them to stay in that same situation. Now, what are most salespeople? Like when we go in and train companies, like we even, even we've go and do audits with fortune 500 companies and most salespeople, even in those companies, cause they have just billions of leads. So it's all a numbers game for them. Most salespeople are still taught to be what we call product pushers. Okay. They're asked, you know, they're taught to ask a few consultative questions about the needs of the client. Like, uh, John, what's two problems that keep you awake at night? Or, uh, Sally, can you tell me what solution you're looking for? Or, Jim, what's your budget for solving this problem? And these are all just surface level questions that are just going to give you surface level answers of what's really going on. They're just never going to really help the prospect get emotional about their situation. Okay. And then what happens at that time? Most salespeople go into their sales pitch. Okay. Talking about the features and benefits of their product and the service and how they have the best this and the best that, which by the way, every single company and every single salesperson says they have the best product, right? How many sales with Otadode, with Otadode, Jeremy, everybody. I'm like, really? It, they even bombard my email. I'm like, but what? Let's be right. real, right? Let's be real. Like, how many salespeople or business owners tell you they have, oh, I've got the fifth best product in the market? Nobody does, right? Yeah. They all claim to be the best. So when you say things like that, just like you said, Corinne, it actually triggers in your mind. Yeah. that you don't trust them as much, right? Mm. You can see that. It triggers doubt and uncertainty and a lack of trust because you're used to every company and salesperson saying the, the same thing. Same thing, right? Yeah. So it's like taking a bucket of mud and throwing it up against the wall, hoping and praying that something we're going to say is magically going to trigger the prospect yeah. to magically want to buy from this. And we call that hopium. It's a drug that so many salespeople... Yeah, it's, it's a drug. It's hopium, right? Mm -hmm. Salespeople and entrepreneurs on this drug called hopium, where they just hope and pray that something they're going to say in their pitch deck is going to magically cause the prospect to want to buy. And it's such a hard and unpredictable way to make a living in sales. Or if you're the business owner, very hard to scale your company. You see where I'm at there? So yeah, we, have to, yeah. we have to become really good at problem finding and problem solving. Now, what you can do, and I'll just give you kind of a, uh, an example here. I know we don't have sure. a ton of time, but um, you want to you want to get you want to ask what are called consequence questions. Now, there's a lot of other different questions that that's interesting. That I, I like that. I'm going to mute good, myself to, to focus on that. <laughs> so, one good form of questions you want to learn are, are called NEPQ, neuro emotional persuasion questions, and these are consequence questions, and they're typically asked towards the end of that first maybe discovery call. And it depends on if you're in a one call close or a two call close, or maybe you're in a more of a B2B selling environment where it's multiple calls and touches, but you're going to ask different consequence questions throughout that sales process, where basically it gets them to question their way of thinking of allowing the problem and situation to keep happening. Okay. So I'll give you a generic example. This is not industry specific. And then I'll give you like maybe a, an industry specific one or two. So you can kind of see how it works. Okay. So I might say, now this is, you wouldn't ask this at the beginning of a conversation. This would be more towards the middle to the end. Okay. Okay. But what if you don't do anything about this and you, you, you know, repeat back the problem. Okay. But what if you don't do anything about this, repeat the problem and it keeps happening for the next three six or even 12 months from now, like what happens then? Now, I'll give you an example of this. I was just working on a, a company's uh, sales structure we're writing out for them and they sell lead generation services to like Fortune 1000 companies. They're a big lead provider, sell like higher quality leads and more volume of leads to, to companies for their salespeople, okay? So a consequence question for that that's more industry specific would be like this. Okay, ho hold on though. Like what if you don't do anything about this 
you keep getting these lower quality leads that you mentioned to your salespeople and your sales keeps stagnating another three, six, even 12 months from now. Like what happens then? See, that gets them to think of what the consequence will be if they stay in the status quo and nothing ever changes. When they start thinking of the consequences, that emotionally gets them involved in gaining urgency on wanting to do something now, not down the road. Okay, so those are called NEPT constants. Love that. Love that. The consequence. Yeah. Yeah. And if your audience wants to learn more about those questions, uh, they're always welcome to go to that website I gave you in the Facebook group. I am uh, going to bring it up right now. Yeah, we don't we don't mind like uh, they they can join that for free. We don't even we don't charge anything for that. It's uh, salesrevolution.group. Yeah. So just go to salesrevolution.group. And right mm -hmm. when they join, somebody on my team will tag them. Uh, mm -hmm. So check in, your, check in your DMs on Facebook. They'll tag you a free training called the NEPQ 101 mini course. And mm -hmm. it's a list of different questions you can ask in different sales situations you're going to be in, whether you sell B2C or B2B. Just that list right there is going to give you some different examples and questions you can use to go out and sell more uh, today. So they're always welcome if they want to get a list of just a few of those questions for sure, because we don't have time to go through everything today. They're welcome to join the group for free for sure. Awesome. So besides this, because this is a join group, the Facebook group, yeah. I do believe you have a website. You want to give it to me that if they want to go and visit? Yeah. The easiest place for them to join the Facebook group is www.salesrevolution.group. So salesrevolution.group. And that'll oh, that takes me back to the same page. Yeah. Yes. It'll take them right into the Facebook group. That's where you're going to get the most resources from us. If they want to learn okay. more about what we do, we give away some free resources. We go live in the group about three to four times a week with different trainings, okay. uh, different Q&As, different subject matter. So they're always welcome if they want more of those questions to go there for free, for sure. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to keep that up for a minute so that persons can see where they need to go. Yeah, sales, salesrevolution.group. It's going to be mm, just to put them on that website. Yeah. But closing more sales in less time. You know, you, you mentioned about this whole consequential thing, but there are some people that they're so overwhelmed, Jeremy, with what they're facing, even the consequences, while it's shocking and, and up in their face, because they might not even see a way out. They might be like, you know, I prefer to just shut down the business. I've, I've done it for so many years. I've benefited from it. I could just either sell it, pass it on, you know, or just give up and start something new. Well, you what could. You, say you, to that? you definitely could shut it down. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you're, it's your business. If there was a way, though, that you could learn mm -hmm. skills to be able to scale that business and get rid of X and Y and Z, mm -hmm. is that something that could be a possible interest to you? Mm. it's just a way to reframe the question okay depending yeah, on what yeah. they're saying now in that conversation it's going to be a lot different because you know you're going to start off by asking connecting questions and situation questions and problem awareness questions that help them see what the real problems are and the root cause of the problem and how the problems are affecting them yeah. so usually you wouldn't even get a question like that there um, are two there are two things sorry for cutting you jeremy there are two things that i notice that have grown just my observation i don't know if you have noticed it pr and communications which is an industry i am in and sales yep. and sales coming in the same renaming as you call it business development account executives hmm. 
I am seeing that. But when you watch the job descriptions or what they're expecting, it's sales. They want somebody to, oh, customer service reps, sure. go there, generate sales, bring in business, bring their own contacts, generate revenue for them. Yeah. Those are two areas that I've seen growth in tremendously. Why do you there. think? Yeah. Sales is always going to be there. If you don't have sales, you have no business. You have no economy. Yeah. Like everything is sold. Every product and service has to be moved. Yeah. Salespeople will never be replaced. Like people have been saying salespeople are going to be replaced for a hundred years with different technology. When the phone came out, and, you know, 120, 100 years ago, they said salespeople were going to be obsolete. It just made salespeople more effective. When the internet came out, people yeah. said salespeople were going to be gone. It just made them more effective. Like you can't have an AI bot. Maybe they can sell a $5 product or a $50 product or a $100 product. But if you're selling $1,000 products, $5,000, $10,000, $50,000, $100,000, million products, you can't have an AI bot that does that. It's just not realistic. Well, you're well not I was wondering. I was wondering because the way how they're talking, AI is like they're going to replace me and you, Jeremy. We wouldn't uh, even be, we would be robots, I guess. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it could replace salespeople that sell $5 magazine subscriptions, but it's definitely not going to replace salespeople that are out there selling 10,000, 50,000, 100,000, 500,000 million dollar products or services because you're not going to have an AI bot that has the skill to pull out people's emotions to get them to actually move forward with big purchases. You just won't. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back a little bit. When they started bringing in automated response on the phone, I was like, what the hell? I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to talk to a machine. Press one, press three, press sure. five. You want to talk to a human being. I'm like, where is the human? And, and they are older folks, much older than me. And even the younger ones, you still, you, people just generally want to hear a human voice. Sure. And as much as they try to have the AI with a human voice or they ask a human to record it, you want to speak to a human being. So you're yeah. wondering, how could you totally replace us or automate us out of, of, of what, humankind? You'll, you'll, you'll be able to replace some customer service, but you're not going to replace high-end products and services that are sold. You, you just realistically won't because people like human beings do not make buying decisions on logic. They make them on emotion. Emotion. Studies show that a hundred percent. Like there's no debate on that. It's just behavioral science one-on-one. That's an right. AI, an AI bot is not going to be able to do that on high-end services and products. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. As we come down in the final minute or two, Jeremy, what final words, what, what are some, action steps that you would want persons to to take as they listen to this i mean besides what they see on the screen here right now where it says join group what would you yeah. want people to take away from this well i i think like i said we we have to look at ourselves as you know if, if we want to be able to no matter if you're in sales or not if you want to move people if you want to persuade and convince and do it in a way where the prospect starts to pull you in rather than you push them because uh, we all know if you push prospects they're going to do what push, push back, back. it's yeah. just human behavior one-on-one so you get a lot of rejection you get a lot of objections so if you want to eliminate objections if you want to eliminate pushback you need to learn skills 
as a sales professional, as a coach, as a consultant, as an entrepreneur, whoever you are, to mm -hmm. get you, you need to learn skills that work with human behavior rather than against it. Okay, mm -hmm. that trigger the prospect to want to engage and want to open up to you. I mean, you really need to get rid of the commission breath. That's what we need to do because one thing we have to understand: this is just behavioral science one hundred and one. It's my background in, in university. Is within the first seven to twelve seconds of any sales interaction or call you're involved in, your prospects are subconsciously. We can't even help it as a human picking up on your verbal and nonverbal cues from your tonality, okay, and what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to react to you in one of two ways, okay? Now, if you come across in a conversation aggressive or needy or attached, that's the big one, and you don't know the right questions to ask, it actually triggers the human brain to go into what we call fight or flight mode. Everybody's heard of that, but we don't understand what, why it's triggered or what to do if it is triggered. And that's where the prospect tries to get rid of you very quickly. Like, oh, we're, we, we already have somebody for that or, or we're good or we're not interested or sounds good. Just call me back in a week, a month, a year later. And it's like they try to get rid of you, right? Now, once you learn how to use human behavior in your sales process, okay, and you come across neutral on the call, like you're unbiased, you're not quite sure if you can even help yet because you don't know enough details, right? You come across more calm and you come across especially detached and you know the right questions to ask in the tonality, it triggers the brain to become curious enough where they want to engage with you. They want to open up to you because they feel like you might have something that could be important to them. So we have to learn, Kareem, the biggest things, we have to learn how to become detached yeah. from the expectations of making the sale and instead really focus on whether there's a sale there, like whether or not they have problems we can solve. Now, well, if they're the target audience, if they are yeah. all right audience. Well, do, and do I mean when you get on a call, you should make a sale? No, hell, mm -hmm. hell no. Your yeah. goal is to make a sale on your calls and interactions, but you have to keep that to yourself. You have to keep that internal because yeah. the moment your prospects feel like you're just selling to them is the moment they start to emotionally shut down and you're going to get a lot of objections, which you can prevent most of that from happening. Awesome. Jeremy, we spent a, a fa fabulous 30 minutes and a little bit more, just a little bit more. Well, I took advantage you of I you. Feel, I feel honored. <laughs> a little bit more talking about sales. And I think we have kind of broken it down, softened the approach that persons don't see it as being pushy and more about understanding the dynamics of what they're going through and to try to provide a solution that can work for them. Thank you, Jeremy, so much for spending the time with me on Between the Lines. It's yeah. been a pleasure. You're welcome, Corrine. Like I said, if they want a list of more of those questions, just have them go to that website, salesrevolution.group. Uh, look in your DMs. Somebody on my team will just tag you a course called the NPQ 101 mini course. We give it away for free when people join. So they're welcome. If they want a list of some of those questions to help them, they're welcome to join that for sure. Thanks for having me on. All the best.